Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect. KZSU, Stanford University's FM radio station, broadcasting across the Bay Area on 90.1 FM and across the world at kzsu.org. Thank you, Eris. Today we're joined by the dynamic and inspiring Craig Severance. Craig is a founder of iMod Structures and has more than 25 years of experience in real estate acquisitions and financing and was an early pioneer in utilizing technology to expedite these processes. He's also served as a managing director, head of acquisitions, and member of the investment committee at AMB Property Corporation, where his group completed over $3 billion in acquisitions. Craig holds a Bachelor of Arts from Middlebury College and an MBA from Stanford University. For more information, feel free to visit imodstructures.com. Again, that's imodstructures.com. Hello, Craig. We're honored and uh, really excited to have you on the Modern Architect Show. Thank you very much for being here, Craig. Hey, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. Craig, we like to start our show off with, a, as we talked in, in our green room, with a, either a prayer, a quote, a mantra, an axiom that... that guide you, in effect, through your personal and professional life, and uh, love to hear if you, you have one or even two, and where it may have come from. It's a good question. I, I credit you with uh, opening up our discussion with a distillate, such as the one you mentioned, oh, thank you. especially to people who have never heard of me. But I have been impacted by the events of today, and, and uh, without disrespect for anyone who disagrees with my political views, of which there are many, I have struggled with uh, disbelief at what we've all experienced over the past four years, and in particular, the past year, defined as, as it has been by the COVID pandemic. I'm a very optimistic person, so get right to your point. Yeah. <laughs> as some people call me delusional, uh, I'm so optimistic. <laughs> Actually, I prefer the word optimist. Okay, excellent. And this mindset has served me well uh, through the ups and downs of life, and, and in this spirit, I've always felt that change, real change, only comes when the pendulum has really swung uh, far out to one side. And without a doubt, we are about to experience a force of gravity on that pendulum. Uh, and I hope we will, in a very positive perspective, once again, move into a positive environment. So that's my prayer. Excellent. Uh, that's my belief. I think, uh, the, the, uh, I, I think we're in for some better days ahead. Looking forward to getting my vaccine. <laughs> okay. Craig, a segue from that is that, that optimist. Where, if you can attribute it to you know, where you were, if, if there was any galvanizing moment or moments in your life, that that became, you acknowledged that as a, kind of a part of your DNA. I've been asked that question before. I just think I was lucky to be born with it. Um, okay. I'd like to wish I manufactured it. I've been the beneficiary of good luck in my life. 
Uh, a good example is when I came out of uh, at Stanford some many, 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 many years ago, I was fortunate enough to run into uh, three wonderful friends, Hamid Mogadam and Doug Abbey and Bob Burke, uh, who had just started a company called AMB. And I was, I think there's six employee. And that was just dumb luck. Um, and talk about optimism, working with them, working the long hours we did, building a company exposed me to the creative process of a small number of people working as a team for the betterment of the many. And so that's just an example. But I, I've always been um, burdened, handicapped by my optimistic qualities. <laughs> I like that you say burdened. We've had Doug uh, Abbey on as well, terrific guest. Yeah, now I can see. Wonderful I can guy. see the connection now talking with you. Um, <laughs> it definitely, th- that optimism and, and that, that forward thought process. What... You know, do you attribute a lot of the success and overcoming a lot of the challenges to? Because I know it hasn't obviously not been easy, but there's always a way I noticed just in researching your work and the companies that you work for that you're able to come out of it for the betterment of kind of all, so to speak, which is is not common. Mm-hmm. After I retired from AMB, just before turned to a company that maybe your your listeners have li- heard before, which is now called Prologis, it's the largest industrial real estate investment trust in the country. I was spending some time visiting uh, West Africa, northern Ghana, and I I thought at the time that I might make an investment in a school for the community that I was visiting. But I realized were I to write a check, we would have used local building materials and local labor, which is good, and would have uh, resulted in a local quality school, which is good. But it got me thinking, so what happens if we use quality building materials and quality labor and created a building system that could be transported intermodally to any location on Earth? There's a big earthquake in Christchurch 10 years ago wouldn't that, that outstrips the ability of local providers of, of real estate to meet the demand. And there's, there's hurricanes and there's, there's earthquakes. And, there's, and I thought that would be an interesting segue uh, for me where we can make a positive impact on the needs of people throughout the world. So my partner from the old A&B days, John Dizerns and I, started a company, and we worked with three divisions of uh, the very large A.P. Muller Merce, a big Danish shipping company. And together with them, we developed a building system that, in fact, was just as I described. It was using quality building materials, quality labor, and configured in a way that we could transport the product anywhere in the world. And so we ended up building a two-story building in Guam for the U.S. Navy, We then went down to the west coast of Chile and provided them with a building. Uh, And then just after the earthquake, we found ourselves in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And we, in fact, donated a a classroom to a school for 300 deaf and deafblind children. And that made us feel wonderful. But we learned as a small company, working on the international stage involved who you know, might even involve monetary motivations to do business with us. And I'm just too old to, to live that life. So if you're still with me, oh, yeah. we're visiting a friend in Los Angeles who had for 18 years run all real estate for the largest school district in California, the Los Angeles Unified School District. And he showed me a poster in his office that identified, it was a poster of the greater Los Angeles metropolitan area. 
and it identified in red where their classrooms were 20 years ago, scattered around uh, Los Angeles, and in green where they need them now. And he says, it's absolutely insane. We have assets deployed over here, and because of demographic shifts, they're no longer needed. We need them here. So now we're going out and buying new assets. And he said, you should dust off your business plan, focus on the classroom market right here in your backyard in California. And we did. He said, one little problem, you, you uh, to sell a classroom to a school district in California, you need approval from the division of the state architect, um, acronym is DSA. Lovely group of people. We've actually, ironically, they've become very close personal friends of ours. And I thought, well, that should take a, a month or two. It actually took us four years and three months and nine days to get our drawings approved by them. And so there's a significant barrier to entry to this business that we're in. But we found ourselves uh, in a business where we make prefabricated modular classrooms for sale, currently for sale, maybe future tense for lease here in California. Sorry, I went way off on the tangent. No, this is, this um, is terrific. Well, we're going to go into a station idea here. This is the Modern Architect radio show and podcast on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. We're talking today with Craig Severance, founder of iMod Structures. For more information, feel free to visit uh, his website at uh, imodstructures.com. Again, that's imodstructures.com. Craig, uh, the question uh, before we went to that break is knowing what you thought might be, say, 30, 60 days turned into four years. Four years. Mm -hmm. Can you attribute anything, or at least your liberty to share why it took so long, especially when I I think, you know, in in studying what you're doing, you're very, very thorough, that why Mm -hmm. it may have taken so long to get that level of approval. So I'm going to devolve into sort of a technical explanation okay. uh, because it is technical. We wanted a building design that we labeled future-proof. It's a building design that with a passage of time holds its value. And to be future-proof, we decided the building needs to last a long time. So each of our classrooms has 24 tons of steel and they're built like a downtown office building very differentiated from the temporary classrooms that we have all seen or probably grown up with uh, as younger people. So long life, flexibility. We needed a building design so that with a passage of time, they could be made larger or contracted and made smaller in both a horizontal and a vertical configuration. Relocatability. We needed a building design so that if it's no longer needed over here, you can disassemble it and sell it to someone in New Jersey. So relocatability, we wanted to embrace sustainability, wellness, and a new word called resiliency. And we are the first manufacturer of modular classrooms in the country to have been awarded a platinum seismic rating by the U.S. Resiliency Council. In a sense on that, that means that not only were our building designs survive the largest predictable earthquake event in California, but it will be open for business days later. And then lastly, leveraging technology, and that's a whole longer discussion. But back to your, your point, why did it take so long with DSA? They said, just use a shear wall design and weld it all together, and we'll approve it tomorrow. 
And we said, no, 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 we want a future-proof building. So we don't weld our modular, our, we call them I-mods together. They're mechanically fastened so they can be, we can assemble them and disassemble them as needed to meet the future-proof needs of our, of our customers. Excellent. Did that also help set a precedent at some level? for even future projects, maybe obviously not in your industry, but uh, that level of what you call, I like that, future-proof that holds its value because that can use as a backdrop for a lot of, not just products, but even services where it's there's a timelessness factor with what you do. And it sounds like you may have set a precedent for it. And I don't know if, if, if it did or not, but I'm just curious to find out if it, if it did from your perspective. Well, it, so going back to the old A&B days, but before A&B, now Prologis focus on industrial properties, we actually bought about a billion dollars of shopping centers. And way back then, in the good old days of commercial real estate, the axiom was location, location, location. Mm -hmm. And for instance, when we bought a shopping center, the investment, an investment that was considered a good investment was characterized by a good location, a good tenant mix. Well, back, who could have foreseen Amazon Mm -hmm. and the impacts it's had on bricks and mortar real estate? And so, Flexibility provides protection against negative change, and and it provides a tool to leverage positive change and witness the pandemic uh, that we're experiencing now. I cook a lot better <laughs> than I used to. And and okay. that's because, you know, of the change imposed on me by COVID. You know, it it is life's events. Okay. And and the presence of Amazon has changed the very nature of retail investments. Now, if you had a product, if you constructed a shopping center with our product and Amazon was invented and you couldn't lease your vacant space because no one could afford the rents mm-hmm. you were charging you could actually disassemble the building, turn it into an office building, and sell it to someone in Florida. So flexibility is the nature of our game. And I wish we could say we're on the football field, we're on the one yard line on that end of the field. Okay. We're only on the second or third yard line on this end of the field with a long field to go, but I think we're headed in the right direction. That flexibility and that resiliency, especially that ability to adjust, mm-hmm. is that uh, by design a part of uh, my structure is that, that ability to adjust, not just for what is present now, but what in anticipation of needing to adjust in the future? Well, that is a, a great question. If, if uh, in the world in which we live, which is prefabricated modular buildings, And you think, well, why? What was the point of that? And let's assume, uh, Tom, that you were, you wanted to buy a BMW and uh, I sold BMWs and uh, you gave me a check and I gave you title and I smiled at you and we're across the desk and we're smiling at each other. And eventually you get tired and you say, well, okay, where's my car? (laughs) And I say, not so fast, not so fast. We're going to send 20 people to your garage and build a custom BMW in your garage. And you'll go, I don't want that. I want to drive away with it. You know, where is it? Where is it? I want to build in a factory. I want it to be perfect. And the nature of the real estate construction industry in this country is still, by and large, site built. Uh, it's wasteful. It's overly expensive. And it takes too long. So in the world of prefabrication, the whole idea is to speed up the delivery of the product at a lower price and with less waste and other characteristics. Within that narrow vertical of prefabricated modular construction, 
on one end of the continuum, you have companies, and I won't mention names, but one of them is quite noteworthy in the Bay Area, and they've attracted a lot of money. And they make a kit of parts that is beautiful. It's robotically constructed. The holes are drilled perfectly where they should be. They're the right length. And then everything gets thrown in the back of a truck, and it gets driven to the customer's site where it is becomes site-built, but site-built that is faster and less expensive, higher quality with less waste. We're at the other end of the continuum. We want our product to be 90 to 95% constructed in our factory, like an iPhone. When we buy an iPhone, we don't want some kit of parts and someone to assemble on our desk. We, we want the finished product that just works. So our goal is to do as much fabrication in the factory as we can so that the work we do in the field is minimized. And um, that's our objective, and that's what characterizes our focus. Excellent. How about the architectural flexibility or the creativity? If you present it to an architect, an architect firm, if they say, well, we have a specific style, a theme, a type of architecture that we'd like to do it, are you able to work within their diverse portfolio? Oh, yeah. You ask good questions, Tom. <laughs> Thank you. I'm actually a frustrated. I, I wanted to be an architect. I never became an architect. I have a uh, great uncle who actually once built the largest office building in New York City. But architects are our friends. But we imagine if you were making iPhones and people said, well, I want our iPhone to be round and I wanted it to weigh less than, you know, I wanted this, I wanted this. Apple couldn't meet the need. So when you go towards a fixation on getting as much done in the factory as possible, you give up flexibility. And the worst thing that we can do is say yes to everybody. We, what we want to do is listen to their good ideas and attempt to incorporate them into our product. But we do a disservice by saying yes. We have to say no. We do what we do, and either you like it or you don't. And as a young company, as a startup, we have been competitively bid five times, and we've won five pieces of business, including... Mm -hmm. Recently, we entered into a contract with LAUSD, so it's come full circle. Excellent. Well answered, too. This is The Modern Architect in KZSU Stanford, 90.1 FM. Our public service uh, announcement is uh, with the Swords to Plowshares. The Swords to Plowshares is a, a community-based, not-for-profit 501c3 organizations who are uh, they're dedicated to supporting nearly 3,000 homeless, low-income, and at-risk veterans in the Bay Area every year. They offer uh, employment and job training, supportive housing programs, permanent housing placement, counseling, and case management, as well as legal services. For more information, feel free to visit their website at swords2plowshares.org. Again, that's swords2plowshares.org. We're talking today with Craig Severance, founder of iMod Structurist. For uh, more information, you can find them on the uh, the web, of course, at imodstructures.com. imodstructures.com. Craig Going uh, touch back to what you originally had stated about the the the, the uh, you want quality built materials and that ability to transport anywhere in the world, mm -hmm. if you can without uh, we'll go into as much as you want. W you know what was the inspiration for for IMOD structures? Like w was there uh, you know a, a gal? A, you guys were at lunch, dinner, breakfast. And, you know how did it happen? We say you know what, this is what I think we ought to do, and there was some clarity to the venture. 
I think clarity of a venture can be its worst enemy, okay. especially as a startup company. You need flexibility. I, I, at least I believe you do, because, for instance, I used to spend some time down at your business school, and I used to uh, actually, thanks to uh, my friend Doug Abbey, I would I would stand in occasionally. And, you know, the wonderful thing about the business school, where, uh, by the way, I am answering your question yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just in a, in a roundabout way. But the people who attended the class were really, 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 really good at identifying objectives and pursuing them with discipline. And they would, you know, take that hill. They'd say, I want to take that hill. And they would take it. But sometimes you take a hill and you look around and you go, well, why did I take this hill? I should have taken that hill over there. Mm. And so the, a, a fixation on objectives can sometimes put blinders on you. And, and flexibility is sometimes, and all that's good, by the way. I, I salute it and support it and, and admire it. So I'm, I'm not in any way negative on that. But in addition to that, sometimes it's good to just take the blinders off and just stop and just let things happen. And it's a combination of both abilities, the discipline of focusing on an objective, but also it's sort of like a yin-yang. This is a very Northern California discussion. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to just sit back and let things come to you. And it's when you do do that, that things do come to you. And that's where flexibility becomes an asset. And uh, so... Nothing really came to us. We're still learning. We're still making mistakes. And I don't know of any better way in the world to learn than by making mistakes, <laughs> which I'm an expert at. So that's why I know so much. <laughs> that's great. That's great. <laughs> Actually, I don't know much. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that ability, I call it an ability to pause. I don't know if that's an, an official term, but yes. an, that ability yes. to pause. Is that something you think that you've learned to unlearn that sense of, okay, that purpose and that clarity that we, we talked about and actually unlearn that here we got everything, that, all our ducks in a row and let's charge this hill and this is the hill we're going to charge and go, oops, that may not have been the correct sure. hill. There's yeah. some other ones. What experience, if you can name it, uh, if, if you don't mind, happens with you that you can recall where you were able to put in practice and in action that ability to pause or that unlearn ability to unlearn? Well, a couple of years ago, as you well know, there were these huge firestorms up in Sonoma. And we, our factory, by the way, is located in wonderful Mare Island, which is an old naval base in, in uh, just south of Napa and an hour drive north of San Francisco. And I hope you come visit it someday. Thank you. Uh, but because of our location, we were being hit on by friends and friends of friends whose homes had been incinerated by the firestorms. And they said, and as a small company, we're focused. We're going to take that hill. And that hill are classrooms. So we said, nope, classrooms, classrooms, classrooms. And they'd say, can't you build a, a home? And we said, well, of course we could, but then we would lose our focus. So we aren't there yet. We desire to have the flexibility, but as a small company, we honor the, the need to focus on an objective. And only after achieving it to some degree of success do you begin to diversify into other verticals. But that is a good example of where we believe we could diversify. Uh, there's all kinds of diversification benefits to it. But if we could, and I know we could, deploy a two- and three-bedroom, one-bath unit 
to, for instance, State Farm. State Farm okay. might, uh, right now, if your house is uh, destroyed by fire or by a hurricane or by a, a tornado, they will give you a check for three or four or five thousand dollars a month. And, and that's wonderful. And that's why you pay them mm -hmm. an insurance premium. But wouldn't it be wonderful if State Farm could say, here's a check for three or four or five thousand a month, or we have a new program. How about if we put a new home on your land? Is next week okay? Um, oh my goodness. And, it, and it's free. It costs no money. Or if you want, we'll give you a check for three or four thousand dollars. <sighs> And we think that uh, that would be a differentiator for someone who's already in the retail business, which is State Farm. I don't mean to pick on State Farm, but sure. just on an insurance company. So that would be a, a, an example of flexibility where we uh, move away from a fixation on just classrooms and move into another need that benefits from a flexible building design that's relocatable. Wow. That's outstanding. Craig, what uh, have we not touched on during your show today that you would like to share with your audience? Oh, be optimistic. Okay. <laughs> I know today I'm about ready to be optimistic. I, I know today in particular, which is Wednesday, January 6th, it's been, uh, there are things going on in this country that are, are troublesome. But I do believe strongly that the pendulum is way out in the side and it's about to swing in a positive direction. We're every day, with the passage of every day, we're one day closer to a vaccine. We're one day closer to something good. And I, I can't wait. Excellent. Craig, it's really been an honor and a pleasure having <laughs> you on our show. I hope you, uh, I'd love to have you back again as, as well if you're, if you're open to it. This is, uh, there's so much more. I can see a lot of questions that we weren't able to cover in your time frame, so I hope you hope you consider it. Well, I, I hope that uh, you take us up on uh, our invitation to come up at some time that you feel comfortable yeah. to our, our factory up on Mare Island. Thank you very much. I'm Thank really, you, Tom. I'm, I'm really honored to, to do so as well and happy to do so, Craig. You've been listening to the Modern Architect radio show and podcast. I'm Tom Dioro. Our guest has been Craig Severance. Craig is founder of iMod Structures and has more than 25 years of experience in real estate acquisitions and financing. He was the early pioneer in utilizing technology to expedite these processes. He's also served as managing director, head of acquisitions, and member of the investment committee at AMB Property Corporation, where his group completed over $3 billion in acquisition. Craig holds a uh, BA from uh, Middlebury College and an MBA from Stanford University. For more information, feel free to visit their website at imodstructures.com. Again, it's imodstructures.com. Join us again next time when we welcome another outstanding architect, engineer, influencer, and civic leader committed to positive and sustainable cities, communities, and lives. Are you an architect, designer, contractor, or engineer? Modeler.com is a platform connecting architects and other specifiers with building product manufacturers. Modeler.com's engaged network of over 240,000 architects, designers, and construction professionals use Modeler.com's tools to discover, discuss, and specify products appropriate for building projects. We at KZSU Stanford thank Modeler.com for the generous underwriting of production and broadcasting costs for The Modern Architect.